Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus. I'm Tess Taylor. My guest today is Debbie Erickson. She's the Administrative Services Director with Crow Wing County. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Tess. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. The sun is shining today, which is nice to see. Yes, yes it is. And I understand uh, we're going to be talking today about election and absentee voting. But first, I know you had some uh, messages to relay regarding our COVID numbers here in Crow Wing County. What can you tell us? Yes, I know that everybody is always kind of wondering what's going on with our COVID situation. And just a couple of things to kind of give the update of where we're at with everything. As of today, we have 314 COVID cases here in Crow Wing County, which is an age range of nine months to 98 years old. Okay. The breakdown of that, we had 139 males and 175 females. The good news is that 286 are no longer in isolation or they're past that point where they need to be isolated. Mm-hmm. We have had 19 people who are hospitalized, and there have been 16 deaths in that number that's there. We haven't seen that death count moving really off the needle at all much over the last week or so, so that's nice to yeah. see that also. I've noticed that. it's it's That's good news. I think a couple of things that are key to point out is the fastest growing population, if you will, of where we're seeing case counts increasing is in that age range of 0 to 29. Oh, wow. Really? The 0 to 18 age range has more than doubled in a month, and the 19 to 29 range has also increased significantly over that time period. So that's kind of where we're seeing some of that growth and that increase there. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also one of the things to keep in mind is that our increased speed has slowed down a little bit. So we're not seeing that doubling effect we talk about early on in COVID. And that's kind of telling us that these measures are working with people wearing masks and social distancing, some of these things, these activities that we have in place, they are working to help slow that spread. And I know it's a thing that everybody is very concerned about, especially as we move into back to school. Yeah. Yep. And that Um, younger age range, like you said, I know parents are listening, what's going on. So... And our community health partners have been working very closely with all the school districts in the Brainerd area in Crow Wing County here, and they're partnering very closely with looking at what those case counts are. They're working with them on setting up protocols and making sure that they are having all of the necessary precautions in place Mm -hmm. so that parents and students and staff, teachers, administration, everybody can be pretty confident as they're moving back into a classroom setting that all those safety precautions are being taken into consideration and that our schools are working closely with public health and making sure that everything is in place as to what needs to be happen there. And we got to keep in mind, those administrators, those teachers, you know, they want the kids safe too. So Absolutely. it's, I mean, of course. So. That's everybody's key first thing there. Right. Uh, you know, one of the other things that we're also starting to talk about here is that We're looking at what does the future look like as far as community health is concerned with related to COVID. Mm -hmm. We're already looking at when a vaccine does become available, how can we step in and help with protocols and plans to make sure that everybody has access and availability to get that vaccine as quickly as possible as well. So we're dealing with the here and now. And we're also looking at what's happening in the future there also. Absolutely. And we got to keep in mind now flu season is just around the corner. So we got to kind of be aware of that as well. Absolutely. And so. and having that access to keeping ourselves healthy as much as possible yep. and making sure that everybody is taking those necessary precautions mm-hmm. to help stave off any further transmission of COVID is going to be extremely important. Absolutely. Well, thank you for passing along those numbers and, and those stats too. So anything else on, on COVID that we need to touch on? 
The only other thing I'd like to touch on really briefly is we do have some um, business relief and nonprofit relief programs that I believe Tim Hull may have touched on in a previous um, episode. But also just a reminder to those whose businesses or their nonprofits may have been impacted by COVID. We do have some grant opportunities that we have available, and we really want to encourage those businesses who were forced to close down or who had some impact and need assistance, that they have that opportunity to apply for those grant dollars. We've partnered with uh, the Brainerd Lakes Area Economic Development Corporation with Mm Bladeck for our for-profit aspect of things for our businesses, and we're also working with the United Way to try to connect to as many nonprofits as possible as well. Okay. That grant program runs through application process, runs through September 18th. So we encourage businesses and nonprofits who are considering applying to go to our website at www.crowing.us, and they'll find links and information there that will help them and assist them with that application process. Okay. And we really want to encourage everybody who was affected to go ahead and make that application so we can help out that community aspect as much as possible. That's wonderful. Glad they're able to do that. Again, crowwing.us. Crowwing.us. That is correct. All right. Well, Debbie, now let's talk a little bit, change our gears and talk about the upcoming election and absentee voting. It seems to be kind of all over the press right now. What can you tell us? It is a hot topic and everybody is talking about it. And there are a lot of good information aspects out there. And there's also quite a bit of disinformation. So I'm hoping that our listeners can get a little bit of better understanding and um, information that will be assisting and helpful to them. So obviously, Election Day is coming up on November 3rd. We're only a little over 60 days away from the election, and time flies by fast in the election administration world. So we are actually getting ready to start our absentee voting period, which will begin on September 18th. Okay. So voters will have opportunity to request an absentee ballot Already now, we've already had over 4,000, almost 5,000 applications already that have come in. Is that in the county, the whole Crowing County? That you're is in about? all of Crowing County, okay. yes. And that's a number that is significant at this point in time. We typically don't see the applications coming in quite as early as what we have been, mm-hmm. but we really like to get those applications in as quickly as possible. That allows us plenty of time to make sure that we can get ballots out to voters as quickly as we possibly can. I know there's been a lot of conversation in the media and around about the post office. Yes. I have to give a shout out to our local Brainerd branch here. Our Brainerd post office has done everything in their power to make sure that they are getting us our ballots and our applications as quickly as possible. Nice. Um, On the primary election day, our delivery man made three separate trips to our office to make sure he got ballots to us as quickly as possible that day. So Mm -hmm. I really want to thank them for that great partnership that we've had with them, and we look forward to that. I do need to let people know, though, that there are possibilities that it does take a couple extra days for delivery of the mail, as we've probably all seen. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that processing centers here um, in Brainerd, even if a voter mails their ballot at the post office in Brainerd, it doesn't just come right next door to the courthouse. It has to go to a central processing location in St. Paul or Minneapolis first. Wow. And then get brought back up here to Brainerd again. Interesting. So allowing for plenty of time, getting those applications in as soon as possible. People can apply already now, and that's a great opportunity for us to then get that ballot in their hands as quickly as possible. Okay. We will be open for the 
basically early voting process or absentee voting in person. If that is something that our voters are interested in as well, if they they know they want to vote by absentee ballot, but they're they're just not really sure of wanting to go through that mail process, they can come in and vote here in person at the courthouse. Nice. And that's at the historic courthouse here in Brainerd. And that will be open for voting from September 21st through November 2nd. That's the day before the election day. Okay. Um, Our regular hours are 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. We're also going to be open a couple of Thursday evenings until 7 p.m. Right before the election, uh, October 22nd and October 29th, to try to give voters that opportunity there. And then we'll be open again on Saturday, October 31st, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. to allow voters to cast their ballots. And, you know, costumes, Halloween, it could all be a really... (laughs) opportunity there to see what kind of creativity (laughs) our voters could come up with as well. We're all wearing masks anyway, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) That is one thing to note that our courthouse as a public building, as a polling location, that masks are required when Mm -hmm. voters come in. We will have some available for them if they don't have one with them, but they are going to be required to wear a mask while they're in our building with the voting. And that can probably be said for all of the voting locations. We'll just reiterate that they're being very careful with that at all polling places. Polling places on Election Day, I have to say we've really put some grid thought and effort into what does social social distancing and safety protocols look like in a polling place. Mm -hmm. So for those who didn't have the opportunity to vote in the primary election and they're going to be going to their polling location in November, they're going to see a couple of things that are a little bit different than probably what they saw before. One might be the number of people who are allowed in the building at one time. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we are keeping proper social distancing, that we are not having too many people in the building at one time. So voters may be finding that they are going to have to stand in line for a few minutes longer, and it might be outside the room that voting is occurring in. Mm Masks will be provided for voters if they don't bring their own. They will see that all the poll workers, those election judges, will all be wearing masks and shields. We've provided some plexiglass barriers to make sure that we are offering that security for both the voter and the judge when they're working in closer proximity and still maintaining that privacy of the information that's being passed. And in addition, we have hand sanitizer available in all of our polling locations on the way in and on the way out. Voters are going to see a lot of disinfecting that's happening and and sanitizing throughout the day. And one of the things that we did in the primary that worked very well that we'll be doing again in November is when you come in, a judge is going to hand you a pen. That's your pen to use for the whole time that you're in that polling place. So you'll sign your oath with that. You'll fill out your ballot with that. You'll drop it in the box on your way out the door as you pick up your sticker and we'll sanitize those again as before they get put back into play. Yeah. So regardless if they're voting by absentee ballot at home or early voting at the courthouse or on election day in the polling place, voters can be assured that we're taking safety very seriously and we're looking at all of those aspects. Wonderful. Debbie, I'm just wondering, um, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there as we kind of already alluded to, but is there any, are there any things that you want to kind of squash right now and, and just put out there that people might be wondering about? So a couple of things that we've been getting some calls on lately. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mailings that go on in any election yes. year. Yep. And this year in particular, it seems like there's quite a few that are containing absentee ballot applications along with them. And people are confused because they're thinking that they're getting a ballot sent to them already that they never requested and they didn't ask for. Right. 
the county will never, and no elections office, whether it's county or state, will never send out any type of official election material that has any candidate or partisan information on it. So if you're getting a mailing that includes information about a particular candidate or a particular party or a particular platform or issues, that came from a third-party mailing. And they are allowed by law to purchase lists of registered voters from the Secretary of State's office Mm -hmm. for the purpose of sending out mailings to potential voters. Uh, You may find that you're going to get mailings from multiple different political parties. It may not be all of one or the other. Yeah. Even though those those mailings are not coming from our office, if they're including an absentee ballot application, those applications do have the correct information that would be a legit application. So if a voter chooses to send that in, it would work for them to request a ballot and we would mail them one. But a voter needs to realize that if they do send that application in, we are going to mail them a ballot. So by submitting that application, they are requesting one. They are asking for a ballot to be sent to them. Interesting. Okay. But the other piece that I would also like to say is if if there are some concerns or questions about whether or not absentee voting or mail voting are safe. Safe, yeah. They are. Yes. There are so many different protocols that are in place with regard to absentee and mail voting. One of the things that I think is a really great thing here in Minnesota is we have the ability for voters to track the status of their mailed-in ballot, of their absentee ballot or their mail ballot. They can go to the state's website at mnvotes, minnesotavotes.org, mm-hmm. and there is a, a link there for a ballot tracker. The ballot tracker gives you the opportunity to put your own personal information in so that you have that information that you can use to track what the status of your ballot is. It will tell you when your ballot has been mailed from our office. So you can kind of know, when should I be looking for it to be in my mailbox? If I know it was mailed on this day, it should be in my office or it should be in my mailbox by this date. Sure. It also shows you, after you've returned your ballot, when it's been received by our office. Every day when we get the mail in, we stamp the physical envelopes and scan them into our computer system to show the date that those ballots have been received back in our office. Okay, I like this. Those ballots stay under lock and key in a locked vault that only has access by election staff who have to enter the vault in teams of two. Everything is done in pairs of things. You know, there's never really a time when one person has full access to things. And every, at least once every five days at the beginning of the voting cycle, election judges from different political parties come together and work in teams of two to review those ballot envelopes Mm -hmm. and make sure that all the information has been completed correctly. Typically, that means they're looking to make sure the voter's name and address on the label that was pre-printed on there has not been changed or altered. Okay. They're looking that the voter has signed the voter oath that states that they are eligible to vote and that they voted their ballot themselves. Um, Oftentimes, they're also looking to make sure that the identification number the voter provided on their application matches the identification number that they provided on their return envelope. These things are all verified to make sure that information is correct. Wonderful. If a voter's ballot, for whatever reason, is not deemed to be accepted by those ballot board judges, they are then going to reject that ballot, and our staff has to send a new ballot to that voter. 
Uh We've now rejected that particular ballot in our system. We send them a copy of the envelope to show them what the issue was. We send them a letter telling them why the ballot was rejected and a new ballot that they can fill out and submit so that they make sure that their ballot is received timely. Interesting. Wow. I love it that we're all protecting this. That's great. And knowing the fact that, you know, we have some slows with the mail. The Minnesota law also requires, even within the the last three or four days before Election Day, we don't just mail a replacement ballot. We have to call the voter. We have to contact the voter directly and tell them what the situation was with their ballot and give them their options for making sure that they can have their ballot returned and counted correctly. Gotcha. So I really want to assure voters that there are a lot of safeguards that are in place, regardless of how a voter chooses to vote, whether it's by mail, at the counter, or in person. Not only are we preventing any um, physical issues from the standpoint of keeping their safety and security from a health perspective in mind, the security and sanctity of their vote is also forefront of our processes as well. Wonderful. Well, that's good information. I learned a lot from that, and I'm guessing a lot of other folks did too, so... Thank you for that. Is there anything else, uh, Debbie, that we need to let our public know? If they have any questions on things, they can find a lot of information on that website I was I was mentioning, mnnvotes.org. Mm-hmm. There is the opportunity to check your voter registration. You can make your time at the polling place or through your absentee process as quick as possible by making sure that your voter registration information is up to date. Here in Minnesota, you have to vote at least once every four years to keep your registration active. Really? If you don't vote at least once every four years, your information as your voter information is inactivated and you you have to reapply or re-register before you're allowed to vote again, Interesting. even if you haven't changed your address or anything. Wow. Okay. Good Other to know. Other times you have to re-register is if you physically change your residence, mm-hmm. even if it's just from one apartment to the next in the same building, that's physically changing your residence. You have to update your registration for that. Or if you have any change of your name, um, if you have a change of name due to any court action or a marriage or divorce situation, you have to update your registration with that information as well. So you can check the status of your own registration, and if you do need to update it, there is a link right there on that website where you can apply and update your registration online. You can apply for your absentee ballot and even find a copy of what the sample ballot in your location is going to look like. So you can be an informed voter when you either vote at home or vote in the polls. You can have an idea of what your ballot is going to look like and have an opportunity to review those candidates before you get there. Wonderful. And one thing regarding the polling places, are they going to be like they were in the primary? Are they going to less buildings? So you're, if you didn't vote in the primary, again, you might want to check where your polling place is? Exactly. Yes. Okay. The same locations that were used in the primary election in August will be okay. used in November. So particularly for voters in the city of Brainerd, we're yeah. encouraging them to check out that website and find out where their polling location will be because many of those have changed. There are a couple of other areas where the polling location is closed on election day because that city or township has chosen to do an all-male election. Okay. And voters in those precincts can find out information on that on that website, mnvotes.org, or they can always contact our office as well. Sounds good. And I know your contact information is all at crowwing.us. Correct. Awesome. Debbie, thank you so much for uh, shedding a little light on some of this and uh, just encouraging us to, of course, get out and vote coming up on November 3rd. Thanks, Tess. Thank you, Debbie. That's Debbie Erickson. She's the Administrative Services Director with Crow Wing County. I'm Tess Taylor. That's today's edition of Community Focus. And remember, you can listen to Community Focus anytime online at our website at 106.7wjjy.com. You can also pull it up through our free downloadable app, which is powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.